Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Isaiah. I have three messages to preach tonight. Pretty sure I'm not going to preach all of them, but I'm going to allow myself to go to a default setting of mine in the spirit. What I mean by default, I mean it's the way that I sort of normally, naturally operate as opposed to for forcing myself into a pattern of preaching which is generally better uh, in pastoring and leading a church like this. Uh, I preach expository messages with a thematic approach. That's generally how I preach. If somebody asks you, well, how do they do that? Line upon line, precept upon precept. Here's how you answer that. How do, they, how does it, how do you preach and, and, and how does your pastor do that? It's expository messages with a thematic approach. For instance, we just started a brand new series in the book of Joshua called Crossing Rivers and Taking Cities. I just did the first message. What a powerful word. It's available online. And uh, I'll get to the second in that series, most likely on Sunday morning, but you never can tell. And the reason is I'm really endeavor to pray and be led by the Holy Spirit. I don't get canned messages for 52 week, 52 messages for the year. And then we just, I just don't do that. And um, I, I do sometimes preach messages that I've preached before because if you hit oil before, sometimes it's hit good to hit it again. But generally, that's how I preach. My default setting is, is, is more um, prophetic machine gun style. And um, I had to force myself into the other way, which I think is much more fruitful for long-term discipleship. Having said all of that, if you're all there in the book of Isaiah, if you're from South Africa, it's Isaiah 42. Isaiah 42. And uh, go to verse, God bless you, go to verse, um, you know you're saved if you're telling a dog, God bless you, when it sneezes. Okay. <laughs> Isaiah 42, verse 14, for a long time I have kept silent. I have been quiet. And held myself back. But now, like a woman in childbirth, I cry out, I gasp, and pant. I will lay waste to the mountains and the hills. I'll dry up all their vegetations. I will turn rivers into islands. And I will dry up pools. Let's pray. So much more. Let's pray. God, thank you for what you're going to do. Amen. You may be seated. A number of years ago, had a uh, prophetic vision that was like riding on the coattails of another prophet's vision. It was a vision that was given to Jim LaFoon, I want to say Prophet LaFoon, maybe 18 years ago. And it was a picture of a woman, full term, full term, ready to give birth. And as she's going to give birth, she, she runs out of strength. Now, I, I, I'm sure there's a term for that uh, medically. When you, if you're giving birth and you have no more strength to push, that's a major problem. Major problem indeed. 
this particular vision had a cross her head, King's Cathedral and Chapels. And this woman had given birth, had given birth many times, had many, had many, many children. But now as giving birth, she runs out, she's labor again is upon her and she runs out of strength in the last moments to push this child out. And she cries out in, in, in agony and in anguish and there's no more strength to push. Weariness is something that'll attack you right before you're ready to have your greatest breakthrough, right before you're ready to come out the other side and experience blessings, divine and breakthrough, and healing, financial breakthrough. The enemy will hit you with weariness. The apostle Paul said, do not be weary in well-doing for in due time you'll receive a harvest. Many times in 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 battle, and we are in a battle. I've talked about that recently. We're all in a war. You understand? Look at your neighbor and say, you're in a war. He said, well, it's going pretty good for me. Well, wonderful. Train real hard because the wall's just ahead. If you're really living with all your heart for the Lord, you're, you're going to run into conflict. If you're not experiencing conflict in your life, I wonder, actually, if you're actually doing anything. And the enemy will many times try to try to nullify and get you so tired and get you ready to quit. I've told you before that, that Ziklag, Ziklag before Zion, right before you're, you're crowned and coronated, you'll have a Ziklag three days before David's coronated as king. His ministry training ground was burned with fire and his families and the family of all of his men were carried off. And they were so tired they wanted to kill him. But David encouraged himself in the Lord and the Lord spoke to him as he got the ephod and he said, pursue, overtake and recover everything. And there's times when you're weary and there's times when you can't see the forest from the trees. Or you're, you're so blurry eyed or you got no vision that, that you just really need to learn to encourage yourself in the Lord. You got to learn to encourage yourself in the Lord. There's times... When, when I've just been so weary, so tired that I'll, I'll just start singing in the Spirit. Uh, and I'll, I'll just start singing in the Spirit. I mean, the other few services ago, you know, we, we all go through things. I know, it's, well, you're a pastor. You don't go through anything. Are you kidding? I'm going through something right now, as a matter of fact. And you have to learn to overcome you have to learn to find strength somewhere. He brings pools in the middle of the wilderness, but you got to know how to find it. He makes a wilderness a pool. He brings streams. There's a well. The well of the caller, it's called to, to Samson, who's pretty stupid, but Samson drank from the, the well, what's called the well of the caller, if you put the English to it. There is a, in, in every personal hell, there is a well that God will give you to refresh you, to strengthen you, to overcome your weariness so that you can push and deliver what God wants you to deliver. God wants you to do things. There used to be, there was some stupid book that came out during the 80s that, you know, 85 reasons why Jesus is coming in 1985, something like that. And, uh, I think it came in a packet. There was another stupid book along with it. That said, if it's not, if it doesn't just happen effortlessly and just take place, then it's not God. And there is, that is just 
rubbish. It's bunk. Many times when the Lord calls you to do something, you don't have the resources, you don't have the ability, and the enemy will try to put some tired up on you so bad that you just want to quit and, and convince yourself that it's not the will of God. And you talk yourself out of it. And you'll have Job's comforters around you and people trying to say all kinds of nonsense to you. Point out some sin problem that they think you might have when you didn't have it. No, there's, a, there's, there, there's three dangers that we're facing individually as well as corporately. And these are what I would call hindrances to birthing the move of God. Hindrances or dangers to birthing the move of God. In Isaiah 26, verse 17, it says, As a woman with child is about to give birth writhes, writhes pardon me, and cries out in her pain, so are we in your presence, O Lord. Where with child we writhe in pain, but we gave birth to wind. We've not brought salvation to the earth. We've not given birth to the people of the world. There has to come in your life, if I could say it this way, there has to come a point in your life when you realize whatever level of anointing you have and whatever power you're walking in, there is something far greater than you've ever experienced, far greater than I've ever experienced. I, I was with Wally today for a few moments. And um, what he said just burned in my heart. Here's a man, if you don't mind me picking on you, Wally, I'm going to do it anyway. He doesn't mind. Here's a man who's been serving God for... I don't know, uh, is it like 60 years? Okay. So that's a pretty much got about everybody in the room beat, just about. I mean, maybe, maybe there's some other people who've been serving God. Anybody serving God more than 60 years? Not that it's the amount of years you can. Oh, well, God bless you. <laughs> and he, both of you know as well as I do, you can serve God for 60 years and just be twice as dead as when you first, you know. Hello, it's not about our time. It's about a growth and maturity and seeking him all of those years. You become Christ-like. But I love what Wally said, and I've heard other great men and women of God say the same thing. I'm, I, I want more. I want more of God. Then I want more of God. I want God to do something. Oh, I want, I'm, I'm coming to church tonight. I want God. Oh, I just want to be filled with the Spirit. It, it's like the Apostle Paul when he's, when he's in jail and he writes. I just shared this recently. He's in the last days of his life. He knows he's dead. He said he's, he's just about dead, and he says, bring me the scrolls. Bring me the parchments. Why would somebody in their deathbed ask for the Bible? Because, I mean, he's, come on, ask for the Word of God because he's growing, he's seeking. There's, ask God to put something in you that's more than what you have. There is a baptism of hunger that will come in your life that will change you. It will change you. God has power. And he has resurrection power indeed. And he has the answer to every human need. He is the answer to every human need. Don't settle for just a great meeting. Sunday night was amazing. Maybe you thought it was too loud. But, but God's power was here. And I'll tell you that those kids, and some of them might even be online tonight, they were impacted by this house. They said, I mean, they had questions like, how did you develop a culture of worship like that in your church? Because I'm a part of this, you know, this basically one of the mega churches in America. And we really are trying to develop a worship, a worship culture in the church. And it's hard. Not, we don't have anything like what you have. 
And so, you know, you can say, well, amen. <laughs> if you're anything like me, sometimes I feel like we're backslidden. I know there's so much more. I'm hungry. There's a, there's a godly dissatisfaction. Oh, I, I understand. Oh, you need to be satisfied. Yes, be, be, be content with little. Be Learn to be content with little. Be content with much. Come on, God, be your all-sufficient everything. Amen. But there, you've got to understand that God calls you up to a higher place. And if you settle, and you're just settling for some wind, You know, I was going to read this. Uh, I didn't bother to look at commentaries on this because uh, I was afraid it was going to talk about the lady having gas. I was concerned about that. So I... <laughs> what you saying? Made me a little nervous. Yes, that's what I said. Go read it yourself. You can all figure out. I was like, what's it saying? <laughs> you didn't have a baby, you had gas. No, I'm not saying it's saying that because, like I said, I'm not sure. I need to go study that a little bit more. But let me just throw it out there to say the comparison. Don't look at me like that. The comparison with the great meeting. Don't settle for just win. Don't settle for just a great meeting. It's like settling for gas instead of a baby. Am I getting through to anybody? I have everybody's and there's nobody texting right now, I can tell. They're like, he just said gas. That's what he said. One of the problems we have is, is a settling for, for a great meeting or a great service or, or a great worship. That's not it. No, don't, don't ever settle. Don't ever, don't ever rest on your laurels. Don't, don't, don't ever just think that you've arrived because once you did, you didn't. You backslid. You, you, we constantly are becoming more and more like Christ. Have to become. He wants us to become. He desires for every touch, every healing, every word that he speaks to you in your quiet time or prophetic word is to make you into more like him, to be more like him, to reach the lost, to heal the sick, to set the captives free until you die to go to meet him or he, or he snatches us up in there. No, don't settle for anything less than, than, than birthing the deliverance of nations. Let me say that again. Don't settle for anything less than birthing forth and discipling nations. That's what we're called to do. And if you get open your heart that, you know, you've just, you know, wow, we've arrived. No, we didn't. And it's easy to settle for for a strong service or get elated about that. And, and we should get excited about strong services and we'll have more. You know, the prophetic word brings like a conception, if we can say it. The Holy Spirit will overshadow and you will become pregnant with the Most High, but in the most holy way. With Wow, amazing. And, and intercession, intercession brings the gestation, really, of the baby. And the apostolic births it and brings the order. We are an apostolic church. That, that is who we are. We're not about just building this building. We're, we're, we're about building many buildings and reaching the nations. And, and we can't ever forget that. 
The battle is far greater than just some chicken skin, you understand. The battle is far greater than just being touched by the Lord and, and praying in tongues. I'm, I'm praying in tongues a lot. I'm into praying in tongues. I'm going to pray in tongues more. Amen. And praying in tongues is more than just a theology. It has to, the, the walk of the Spirit has got to become in us something far more than just a theology that, oh, you're baptized in the Spirit because you pray in tongues. There's got to come a release on the inside of us. And, um, you know, the word of the Lord will test you as it tested Joseph. The word of the Lord tested Joseph until it came to pass, says the Psalms. In Isaiah 37, turn there. Isaiah 37, Hezekiah, verse 3. They told him, this is what Hezekiah says. This day is a day of distress and rebuke and disgrace as when children come to the point of birth and there is no strength to deliver them. The background is there's been a revival under Hezekiah. And uh, that, that brings me like to my second message. But I'm going to skirt around it a little bit. In fact, I spent most of my time studying Hezekiah and the revival of Hezekiah. Because Hezekiah was, I mean, his father was a, an idiot. His father was an evil king, Ahaz. And he brought in idolatry to Israel. So much so that they sent up idolatries and altars in the temple. And so Hezekiah, they're co-regents for a time and then and then Hezekiah takes over Judah. By this time, you, you all know David, King David, the psalmist. David had many sons. One of them, Solomon. Solomon had a thousand wives. That's generational sin. See, David had a problem. He looked when at the time when he should have been at war, he's looking out at someone else's wife, Uriah, one of his men, one of his main men, one of the mighty men of David. And he commits adultery with her. He had a lust problem, right? And it was a setup from the devil for sure, but he had a lust problem. And Nathan comes and prophesies to him and says, thou art the man. And David repents, but the consequences of that are far reaching. And Nathan shares about the consequence. And you see in, the, in now Solomon, he, he doesn't just commit adultery. He has a thousand wives. I'm really glad I have one. I've got my hands full. She's awesome. Amen. But what? come on, somebody. <laughs> no, in a wonderful way. Praise God. A thousand wives. You heard of a lust problem? It's like a lust problem on steroids. I mean, what is that? thousand wives. A thousand wives. And they all let him astray. And he ended up forfeiting it. And the judgment for that is that the, the word comes and says you're gonna, the kingdom is going to be divided in two, but not in your lifetime for the sake of your father David, but it'll be in your son's lifetime. So judgment comes, but not in his lifetime. Well, the northern and the southern tribes split, and over time, there's ten tribes to the north and two tribes to the south, which is Judah. And the, and the ten tribes to the north get carried off into captivity. Syria attacks and get carried off into captivity. Well, Hezekiah is the king of Judah and he has a revival. 
You know what he does? I mean, you go read it. It's, his story is told in 2 Chronicles. It's told in 2 Kings. It's uh, one other section. It's told in three different places. And, uh, oh, oh, and Isaiah talks about it also. Three different places. Hezekiah has a revival. He's a reformer. Now, I'm going to tell you, God wants to raise up reformers among us. He tears down the high places. He cleanses, he cleanses the temple. He cuts down all the, oh, you know what? one of the things he does? He, you know that, that, that pole that Moses took a snake and put the snake on? And they, the, now, that was prescribed by the Lord. This is interesting to me. How many of you know that, that, that story? It's in Exodus, and snakes, fiery vipers, come and bite people. And, and the, Lord, the Lord tells Moses, take a serpent, put it up on a snake, and anyone who comes and looks up at the snake will be healed. And so he does that. That, that serpent and that pole and that everything was still there in Israel, but here's the thing. People began to worship it and burn incense and do all kinds of craziness to it. You know, God can give you a method, and if you hold on to that method, it can become an idol. God doesn't do anything the same way twice. He's too multifaceted and awesome, and he wants you to relate on to him in relationship, not in a form or a method. Did, did you catch that? So if you stay by the brook called Cherith all your life, you're going to starve to death, Bubba. Bubba, you will starve because the brook dries up. And the, and, and the ravens stop bringing the bread. And you're going to have to go do something else. You've got to hear the word of the Lord. Every day you have to get fresh manna. And, and when God's challenging you to move forward, challenging us to birth forth nations, you have to hear his voice. And you can't settle for yesterday's manna. And you can't settle and tolerate weariness. If you're too weary to get to a prayer meeting, you're too weary not to get to one. Now, now you, you got to hear that right because I, I, I took a couple prayer meetings off just recently. I've, I've learned. I, I know myself. I know I can just push, 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 and then I get really sick. I, I, you know, you, you got to know your body. You got to let the Lord speak to you. So, so Hezekiah gets rid of all the high places and, and sets up. Sets up worship like on every corner in the street. I mean, they have an outpouring. People come back to God and they cleanse, and it's just this great revival. And then, and then Assyria comes. And Isaiah 37 3, as we read that, they are being besieged by the enemy. And the enemy comes through Assyria and, and begins to lie to them. And if you, in fact, if you read through the words of Sennacherib said to Hezekiah, it's like a blueprint of how the devil will speak to you to try to get you discouraged. And it's, it's, it's actually profound. It lasts for about a year. But the word of the Lord comes, and then Hezekiah, he takes this letter and he tears his clothes and he lays it out before the Lord and Isaiah says, man, and I'm a paraphrase. He says, you have nothing to worry about. He's going to hear a rumor. He's going to go back by another way. I'm going to kill him. And so they fast and they pray. And they, the attack of Assyria is thwarted. Now, it was a powerful victory. Hezekiah, when he prayed and he fasted, I mean, the Lord comes and tells him, uh, set your house in order because it's over for you, slick. You're going to die. 
The prophet turns around and says, the Lord's relented. You get 15 more years. 15 more. Guess how many he got? 15. He got 15 more. Wow. In Daniel chapter 7, verse 21, if you could put that up, please. Thank you so much. So, so what are you saying, Pastor Daniel? I'm telling you that the Lord wants us to birth nations, and I don't want you to forget. And don't settle for win, settle for nothing less than the birthing of nations. Settle for nothing less than church planting all over the world. Lift your eyes. Don't let weariness get a hold of you. Be encouraged. Don't settle for just wind, which might mean gas, but I'm really not sure. Daniel chapter 7, verse 21. He will speak against the Most High and oppress his saints. You know who his saints are? It's not, it's not St. Teresa. Yeah, Hagios in the New Testament. Hagios. It's, it's, it's us. It's God's people. We're called saints. So this demonic attack comes to try to weary, to try to wear you out. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, at least not right now, but I know for a fact that some of you have been getting worn out. And it is an attack from the enemy. If you're feeling weary, you're feeling like, man, I just, I need to just nap. You might need a nap. That's true. But there can come a demonic attack from the enemy to bring weariness on you. And if you yield to it, you will not break into what God has, the birthing of nations. There's an aggressive spirit that comes from hell, the whispers to God's people. That, 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 you, that you're sowing, and I'm, I'm sowing, and I'm not reaping. That's a demon. I, I, I'm giving, and I'm really not seeing the return. I'm doing this. I'm serving you, Lord. You know, it's kind of like you contend for your miracle, and your miracle's right there, and then you have to wait a year before it really comes about. That delay. The delay is not a denial. We're in the greatest place of breakthrough than we have ever experienced in all of our lives. That's where we are corporately as a church. I'm telling you, we, are in the, we have had the greatest place of breakthrough than we have ever had, ever. So if you're feeling like, I just need to take a permanent vacation, well, that, that's probably a demon trying to discourage you. Oh, we haven't really done anything. <sighs> Your lip hanging so low you can suck marbles out of a gopher hole. <laughs> Minister Micah, take the keys, please. Come on, lift your hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let me give this to you because I feel pressed. Ready when you are. Thank you. I feel pushed by the Spirit just to share this with you. In 2 Kings 18, thank you. Isn't that beautiful? Thank you, Minister Micah. 
you're going to get refreshed tonight. And weariness is, is on the way out the door right now. It's leaving right now. You just feel it just rolling off you. Second Kings, a picture of how the devil tries to, to work in Hezekiah's life and how he's working in many of yours. Number one, he questions your faith. Second Kings 18, 19, the field commander said to tell Hezekiah, this is what the great king of Assyria says. And what are you basing this confidence of yours? You say you have a strategy and a military strength, but you only speak empty words. On whom are you depending to rebel against me? Look now, you are depending against Egypt, that splintered reed of a staff which pierces a man's hand who, and wounds him if he leans on it. Verse 22, if you say to me, we're depending on the Lord our God, isn't it he, the one whose high places and altars Hezekiah removed? saying to Judah in Jerusalem, you must worship before the altar in Jerusalem. That verse 22, I don't want to get into the geopolitics of the day with Egypt and all that, but verse, verse 22. See, he's, the whole thing, he's questioning his faith. Confident assurance of what you cannot see. He had, he, had, he had a word from the Lord. The Lord is going to protect him. He did everything he could to serve God. He tore down the high places and he's saying, yeah, but isn't it the Lord that sent us? See, because the Lord did send Assyria to wipe out the northern tribes as a sign of judgment, but the Lord didn't send them to Judah. So the enemy will take even Scripture and twist it. There's a Leviathan spirit that's operating in our, in our valley that tries to twist words. That's what this twisting... It's when you say one thing and somebody hears completely something else or twists what you said. There's a Leviathan spirit that that's tries to twist things. Happens all the time. But it seems to be emphasized in this hour. Because if the enemy can twist your faith, then he knows he's got you stopped. The enemy will, will use demonic assignments, fiery darts, to cause your faith to be undermined. If your faith is undermined, you've lost. Another thing you'll do is you'll distort true worship. And you see this in 2 Kings 18, 22. He accuses you of being weak. Whenever the enemy accuses me of being weak, I just agree. So you might try that. You're weak, that's right. And when I'm weak, I'm strong. You're weak. Yep, but Christ in me. Resurrection power. You lost. I won. Hit the road, Jack! The enemy will use a false word. It's another way that he'll speak is he'll bring a false word. I've had this over and over and over. In fact, right at the point of one of the greatest breakthroughs uh, up to this point, I had somebody confirming to me that I was supposed to do something when I had a direct word from the Lord that I wasn't supposed to do it from a viable source. So you got to wonder about that. You know, God speaks to you and says, you are going to do this. And then somebody comes the next day and says, you know what you're supposed to do? And they tell you the opposite. You go, hmm. They're trying to give you a false word. Listen, I, 
whatever word you got at the prophetic conference, I'm really glad. That's awesome. Praise God. I don't want to. I don't want to demean that. We're, we're not going to look at with uh, despise prophecies at all. But you're responsible. You will stand before God yourself. The guy that gave you the word ain't going to stand. But well, he'll stand before God too. But but you're going to stand before God for the, for your own destiny, for your own purpose. You've got to let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you. You just need to shake off that weariness. Shake off the lies. Come on, it's zigzag before Zion. Got to press in, press on. Got to get on fire. Don't settle for wind. Get a birth nations. Can you say amen? The enemy tries to cause rebellion and strife. 2 Kings 18, 26. They say to the field commander from Assyria, says, speak to your servants in Aramaic since we understand it. Don't speak to us in Hebrew in the hearing of the language of the people of the wall. That's profound. So, so hear this. So they're having a discussion, right? So I, let's say I'm the representative from Hezekiah. I speak Aramaic. Here comes the Assyrians. We're negotiating. The Assyrian is speaking in Hebrew so that all those people up there that are hanging over, straining their ears, everybody's trying to listen, can hear everything the guy's saying when Hebrew's not his language. His language is Aramaic. And so the, the, the uh, Hezekiah's ambassador says, don't speak in Hebrew, dude. That's the hearing of the people of the wall. Speak to me in Aramaic. That's your language. Speak to me in Aramaic. You know what's interesting about that? Because the devil would love for you just to get things twisted. Why would he do that? Because he tries to create strife. If you have strife in your house, then you have every evil thing. Oh, I don't mean a little bit of strife last night. You got through it. Welcome to being married or being a part of the human race. You have to have a zero tolerance for strife. We have a zero strife tolerance in the church. What does that mean? I don't allow it. So if somebody's going to cause strife and division, they'll be getting corrected by the person they cause strife and division with. If that doesn't work, another person gets involved. If you got to come to my office, it's, there's trouble. It's going to stop or they're going to leave. That's why we have unity. <laughs> come on, somebody say hallelujah. You say, well, that's a little aggressive. Well, I'm going to tell you, one of the reasons you feel a love and the grace and the power and the freedom is because there is no strife. Oh, it's not that it doesn't crop up. I mean, we're all human beings. I've had to be rebuked by my wife plenty of times. And all the men said, hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I've also rebuked her. That's what we do. You, 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 but you can't allow for it to get deeply seated and rooted to get a foothold and get offended. Don't allow offense. Scandalon is a word for offense in the Greek. Scandalon, it's a, it's a word for a trap. It's, it's the cord. A scandalon is the cord that runs to the stick that held the box up when you tried to catch the rabbit when you were a little kid. You pulled the cord and it fell on the rabbit. Yeah, you got a rabbit. The cord is a scandalon. It's that, and that stick, that's a scandalon. That's offense. That's what that word means. You'll be trapped if you get offended. You get suspended and you get all jacked up. So Sennacherib, understood that if he could say lies, mixtures of truth with lies in the hearing of the people of the wall, then he'll bring division into the camp, into the city. 
and then people would not trust Hezekiah. And, and that's exactly how the devil works. Bunch of half-truths, mixes things up. He tries to under, undermine the, the word and the authority of godly leadership. And you'll see this in 2 Kings 18. See, if the, if the enemy can get you to think that I, that, that I don't know what I'm doing or we're messed up or, 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 we're, or we're off track, then you'll never learn, you'll never respect me. You won't res- if, you don't, if you lose respect for a leader, you will no longer be able to follow them or be ministered to by them. And then, then you've got to do something else. That's why you, you don't let your kids dis- disrespect your wife. You just simply don't allow it. And you don't allow yourself to be disrespected too. Uh, in, in pastoral training, we've had the joy of training pastors and we'll do that for the rest of our lives, no doubt, while we continue to receive training ourselves. That never ends. And I remember telling a pastor, I said, man, that, you know, I've, I've got this one guy, he's really mad at me for this and this and such and such and so-and-so. And he said, I said, well, is that what happened? He said, yeah, I didn't do the best thing. I said, well, you need to repent. He said, okay, I'll repent. I said, but listen to me. Don't you let him lambaste you in front of your people. Don't let him yell at you and undermine you in front of all your people, make you look like an idiot. I said, don't. He said, yeah, but I did it. It doesn't matter, I said. I said, you repent, you do the right thing, you straighten it out, but you don't, you don't get your feet taken out in front of your entire church. Sure, sure enough, it's exactly what happened because he felt such guilt. We're not talking about a moral thing. I'm not talking about moral failure. Moral failure is different. That's not the way to handle it either. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, you know, he made a decision to do such and such with leadership and a training and it didn't work out and it caused frustration. I'm talking about a a simple system that didn't work. Okay. God knows I've done enough of that. Jesus help me. Amen. You've never made a mistake? All of you water walkers just stand up right now. But because he felt such guilt and he didn't understand that the enemy wants to take his legs out. See, it's fine to get, listen, if you've got something you want to talk with me about, that's great. You start yelling at me right here in the sanctuary, I'll have you taken out by my security. And because it obviously be a devil operating. You can talk to me and call me if you want to yell and work things out. We'll work it out. I'm, well, nobody's nervous about that. That's good. Amen. If you have a problem with the sound, how much, look, let me, let me help. I'm going to fix the sound right now. You ready? Are you ready? You're not ready? You're ready. ready. Okay. Raise your hand if it's too loud. The sound's too loud sometimes. Raise your, come on. Raise your hand. Well, all right, good. Okay. Raise your hand if it's too soft sometimes. Okay. All of you just switch seats and it'll fix everything. Hey. Okay? <laughs> yeah. I feel the Holy Ghost. Just cracked myself up. They don't they teach you that in sound school. <laughs> Where are we? What time is it? Oh, we're good. I'm almost done. What are we talking about? No, we're not talking about sound. We're talking about <laughs> undermining authority, right? Here, let's read the text. 2 Kings 18. Thank you, brother. We're back on track. Verse 29. This is what the king says. Do not let Hezekiah deceive you. He cannot deliver you from my hand. Do not let Hezekiah persuade you. 
to trust in the Lord. He's saying this in Hebrew so everybody can understand. Hey, don't let Hezekiah. He's like, hey, shut up. Yeah. Don't let Hezekiah deceive you. You're all dead if you listen to him. Tries to undermine leadership. Try to undermine the father in the home. Try to undermine the mother in the home. Try to undermine you. Offers false security. 2 Kings 18.31. Don't listen to Hezekiah. This is what the king of Syria says. Make peace with me and come out to me. And then every one of you will eat from his own vine and fig tree and drink water from his own cistern until I come and take you to a land like your own flows with milk and honey new wine land of bread and vineyards land of olive trees he's talking about the promised land what a liar choose life it almost sounds like the Lord and not death don't listen to Hezekiah the enemy will offer you false security that if you try to do this thing it's going to be okay you hold on to your tithe, you're going to be blessed because you need that 10%. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not true. And he'll try to offer you false security. If you listen to it, you swallow that pill, you're in some serious trouble. Come on. Some, some, of, you, some of you swallow hook, line, sinker, waders, boat, trailer, truck. You've swallowed everything. <laughs> then, oh, oh, this is 2 Kings 18.33. Has a God of any nation ever delivered his land from the hand of the king of Assyria? What are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? What are the gods of, I can't say that, Hena and, I don't know, Shandai? Have they rescued Samaria from my hand? Who are the gods of these countries able to save the land from me? How then can the Lord deliver Jerusalem from my hand? I mean, Man, there ain't no fear of the Lord in that guy. Mm. I, you know what I wish? If I was writing this, I, I would write something like, and then the earth opened and swallowed him. <laughs> Whoa. Gee, what happened to the army? Well, I guess we're moving on. Siege is over. Where's the army? They're dead. <laughs> ding dong. Ding dong. Yeah. Started skipping around. That's what I would write in there. Continued intimidation in 2 Kings 19. Listen, we're going to have a revival. The weariness is going to be broken off of you. It's going to happen. It's going to happen a number of different ways. If you want to take notes, you might want to write this down quickly as I bring this to a landing. One, humble yourself. That's what Hezekiah did. That's what you need to do. That's what I'm doing. And I'm going to keep doing. Humble yourself. Give yourself to some fasting. You know, when situations get so desperate, then you get desperate for God and God will show up. He humbled himself. He fasted. He goes into the house of the Lord, it says in 2 Kings 19. Hey, just go to church. I can't tell you how many breakthroughs people would have if they just came to stinking service for the love of God. I can't figure it out. I, I really, I can't. I can't figure it out. You got time to eat. It's on the same level. You got time to breathe. Can I, I just share from, from the Vincent's testimony. 
So they got saved. And uh, generally speaking, they just got saved. Um, they never missed church. Like ever. He said, well, that's because they're the Vincents. True. You just, you just went to church. It's the biggest party in town. That's why you went. Right? Because he's a Holy Ghost party animal. Right? I think my wife and I, my wife and I, I'm not talking about, oh, you're a pastor. <laughs> we just, we just, we just love going to church when we got saved. We just go to church. We ain't going to the no nightclubs anymore. Some of you dropping it hot Saturday night and you say you're tired on Sunday morning. Give me a break. It ain't hot either. <laughs> We're like way over the heads of some folks right there. Just. Bump your neighbor and say, man, I'm enjoying church tonight. Praise God. My, my, my wife and I, we were recording. We, we'd just go to church. That was our date. It was amazing. It was amazing. And then, then, then it was astounding. I mean, they're like being altar call and we'd come and get touched and we'd weep and cry and end up different. And then shoot, we get to come back again Sunday night. Come back again Wednesday. Go to a small group on Thursday. I mean, it was just incredible the change and transformation that was taking place in our lives and the relationships that we built that we still have. Do you know that we have hundreds of friends? And it's not because I'm a pastor. I mean, maybe that's got something to do with it because the platform's expanded and we've met more and more people. And, but we, we had hundreds of people, hundreds of friends before we were pastors. It was a big church. And we said, well, the church is too big. It's not personal. Maybe you need healing so you can get personal. Hello? He went to the house of the Lord. And I just want to say, as before I move on to just a few more points, if you will just come, if you will come and get under the spout where the glory comes out, then you will get healed. You will hear messages. You will hear things. Listen, God can talk to you and, and give you the word of the Lord from something that's completely not even what I'm saying. I've had people come and say to me, Pastor, you have no idea how that ministered to me and my marriage, the way you were talking about marriages. I'm like, awesome. I had, I had said nothing about marriages. But the Holy Spirit spoke to them through these words, carved it perfectly, went right in their heart, and they got the answer for their marriage. I, I, there was nothing, I don't, I don't even think I said the word married during the sermon. I've had other people say, I've just got such a burden to pray or such a burden for evangelism. I didn't say anything about evangelism. I didn't say anything about prayer, but that's what they came away with. Why is that? Because the Holy Spirit knows how to speak to you. He can talk to you right now, right now, and right now, and again, right now, and now. He desired to hear a word from the Lord. Do you? In the, word of, in, the, in the days of Samuel, the word of the Lord was rare and people threw, people threw off restraint. There was no, no, no vision. So people threw it off. Listen, if you don't have passion, you don't have purpose. You don't have vision for your life. Well, vision's the first thing. If you don't have vision, you're not going to have passion. And if you, if you don't have a vision that wakes you up in the morning, your vision's pretty weak. What, what moves your needle? What gets you going? Is it girls? You need deliverance. Men, you need deliverance. Money, you need deliverance. 
What really ought to move you is a deep abiding relationship with the Lord where He comes to meet with you and talk with you. And then He tells you, I want you to do this dream because it's for this purpose that I brought you into the world. It's for this reason to birth forth nations. That's why you're breathing to save the lost at any cost, to reach people, to be my expression, to be a light like a city on a hill. He desired to hear the word of the Lord. He prayed and he prayed for others. 2 Kings 19, 20, verse 20 through 34. God gave him a word. God has a word for us. He has a word for us. And it is Isaiah 10, verse 27. And in that day, their burden will be lifted from their shoulders. And their yoke from your neck. The yoke will be broken because you've grown so fat. Another version says, because of the anointing oil. You see, whatever you're facing tonight, whatever obstacle, whatever thing is reared its ugly little head, it will bow the knee before the name of Jesus. Don't let the enemy undermine your faith. Don't let the enemy undermine leadership. Don't let the enemy twist words and, and bring strife. Don't let them do it. There is a birthing process that's taking place for you. Come on, stand up on your feet. There's a birthing process that's taking place. And many of you feel weary. I'm telling you, it's an assignment from the enemy and he wants to refresh you tonight. Lift your hands to heaven. Come on, all across this place. You say, oh my goodness, that's a word for me. If that's a word for you, quickly come to the front. It's a word for me. I'm preaching to myself. It's a word for the church. Come on, come, 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 come. All the way up to the stairs. Make lots of room for everybody. Holy Spirit. We believe tonight that the yoke is being broken off. Come on, say that. I believe. I believe tonight that the yoke is being broken off. Say it again. I believe by the anointing, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Right now. If you have the freedom to pray in the Spirit, just go ahead. Come on, commit to seek the Lord. Commit to seek Him all the days of your life. You know what I need to do right now? I need to rally you to pray because... We don't have enough prayer going on. Oh, I'm grateful for what we do have. And I also know that the level of breakthrough that has happened has happened proportionate to the prayer that we have. I know that. And we need to go to another level. So, so here, I'm going to challenge you over the next, let's go 60 days, all right? That's not 90, it's two months. The next 60 days, I'm challenging you to come to morning prayer. You say, well, I can't do that. All right, well, we want to help you do something here in a second. But if you can make morning prayer, that's, that's at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. or 7 a.m., either one of those, you can make that. Or, or Friday night, we've got a prayer meeting Friday night. Now, now the her 
Brother Hank and his wife are going to be leading that tonight, and it's upstairs. Okay, but that's Friday nights from 7 to midnight. Got youth that night, a lot going on. You get in some of these prayer meetings, you say, I'm going to commit for the next 60 days to be in morning prayer or these prayer times at least three times a week. Three times. That's not every day. It's three times a week. You say, that's me. I can do that. Raise your hand. I'm doing it. I'm in. Anybody else? All right. That means drive here, get here, be a part of that time of prayer. All right. You can put your hand down. You say, well, Pastor, I can't make those because I drive to Anchorage. I, I do, I do, you know, it's not my schedule. I understand. And there's no shame in that. But you say, you know what? I can pray an hour a day, three times a week. I'm going to do that. You'll pray an hour a day, three times a week. Or, th- or, or a cumulative three hours in a week. All right? You say, well, I'm not sure I'm saved yet, or I think I got saved last week. I don't even know how to pray. Well, you get in these meetings and you'll learn. Prayer is caught more than taught. It really is. Okay. Well, how many of you could pray? This ought to get everybody. All right? How many of you could pray more? All right, you're going to pray more. All right, would you please? Would you Would you just, the Lord saw your hand. I'm not taking names. Ain't nobody going to call you, all right? Hey, God takes commitment and vows very seriously. So he saw your hand. You raise your hand three hours, three times a week, whatever it was, the commitment that you made, or you're going to pray more. So in other words, you don't pray at all. Maybe now you do five minutes. That's good. Come on, that's good. There's no shame in that. That's wonderful. Praise God. Listen, listen, God wants to show up in the quiet time that some of you never have. And if you'll just have it, boom, bam, fried chicken. If you'll just have it, God will bless you, bring you the breakthrough. Let's ask God for that. That's what Hezekiah did. He sought the Lord. Come on. The yoke is being broken. The word of the Lord is a yoke will break. The anointing increases through prayer and intimacy. That's how the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes. It's not some freak thing that hits you upside your head while you're brushing your teeth one day. You seek Him. You long for Him. You read the Word. You pray. You ask for an increase in power and anointing. Holy Spirit, we ask You to help us. We ask You to give us living understanding. Lord, we believe that the yoke is being broken right now by the anointing, and we set our faith to seek You. To live a lifestyle of brokenness before You. And Lord, we claim the promises of God. We claim the promise. And then lastly, be filled. Be filled. Come on, ask God to fill you right now. Service is almost over. Come on, ask Him to fill you. Lord, fill us right now. Because I was filled back in 19. Okay, but we leak. You'll see in Acts that they were continually filled. Come on, there's a, there's a fresh filling. Weariness go right now. Jesus' name. Pastors, just lay hands on folks. Go for it. Go on, start from that side, Brother Wally. Pastors, ministers, please. Right now, be filled, be touched. Just touch and agree. Don't skip one person. Touch and agree. Weariness go. The Lord says, I've called you. The Lord says, I've called you even from your mother's womb. There was much around your birth even.
been through many challenges and been misunderstood, didn't fit in the form, didn't fit in the structure, but you know full well that you love God with all your heart. The Lord is not only healing you, He's reaffirming that you are called. There's a call of God upon you. And I'm going to make you a fisher of men. There is a wild Peter-like faith that's on the inside of you. I mean, you would charge a rhino, that kind of faith. But deep wounds took place for misunderstood wounded people. Pierced you through. It's like I see arrows just coming out of your heart right now. And by faith, I take those and I remove them. Words that were spoken, labels that were placed upon you saying you were this, saying you were that. They're not true. I've called you, says the Lord, and my hand is upon you for good, and I'm going to use you to touch many, many lives. Holy Ghost. Fire! 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 Just put them in a seat. Fire! Take the whole thing. Fire! Fire! Let your love run over here now. Pray and move. Lay hands on every person quickly. Don't miss one. This house. Pour it out. Let your love Weariness go.
haven't been prayed for and you want to be raise your hand anybody did you get prayed for I'll lay hands on our sister right there lift your hands it's an AT&T anointing Holy Spirit every yoke all weariness broken tonight fulfillment of dreams visions I heard this scripture in the spirit earlier in the week. I hear it again for you. I have no idea. It's in the Old Testament. You have to go find it. I'll paraphrase it as accurately as I can. It'll no longer be said in Israel, the proverb that the visions fail and come to nothing because every vision will come to pass. It's pretty close. It's pretty close. You go look for it. Lord, do it. Every vision come to pass. Jesus' name. Everyone. All of them. All of them. Weariness go. Did you guys get something from the Lord tonight? Come on, lift your hands to heaven all across this place. Those online, come on. Christianity is not a spectator sport. Lift your hands wherever you are at home. If you're driving your car, don't do that. Just lift your hands in the spirit. Lord, we commit to seek you these next 60 days to put a canopy, a prayer shield over our lives, over the church, Lord, for the building project, for birthing nations. Oh, God, nothing less than your best. We submit ourselves to you. We break every chain, break every bondage. We break weariness. We break, God, the assignment of the enemy to try to undermine, to try to bring strife, to try to undermine leadership. We declare your word. We declare the word of the Lord that it will be built, meaning your kingdom, your church. Gates of hell will not prevail. Zechariah 4-7, the capstone will be set with shouts of grace grace to it and we thank you we praise you every head bowed every eye closed if you're not right with God don't you leave this place in that condition there really is a place called hell it's not created for you the only way you can get to heaven is by repenting and believing on the Lord Jesus Christ that he died on a cross and rose again from the grave if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord you shall be saved to as many as believed in him He gave them the right to become children of God. Won't you put your faith in Him and repent of your sin tonight? If that's you, you haven't done that before, you want to do it for the first time. Or you want to recommit your life to the Lord because you've drifted. Would you raise your hand? Just do it right now. You see, that's me. God bless you. Awesome. God bless you. Yes, sir. I see that hand. Thank you for your honesty tonight. Thank you, ma'am. God bless you. I want to recommit. I want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time. Just lift your hand high. All right. God bless you, son. Whether you raise your hand or not, you want to pray this prayer. Make heaven your home. Just pray right out loud. Right out loud with me. Repeat after me. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place, to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin. Give me of all my sin. 
come into my life. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. And make me new. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen.